stress, anxiety, and depression are skyrocketing among children and teens. And Cook Children's Healthcare System is on a mission to bring these topics into the light. I'm Winnie King. And I'm Dr. Kristen Perch. If you have kiddos in the room, now is the time to put on those headphones. Some of the topics we'll be discussing will not be suited for young ears. This is Raising Joy. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Raising Joy, the podcast you most look forward to listening to. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Winnie King, um, SVP, Chief of Communications, Inclusion, Diversity and Equity at Cook Children's here in Fort Worth. And I am joined by my lovely, intelligent, well-balanced (laughs) Co-host. <laughs> that could be up for debate. <laughs> um, Dr. Kristen Perch. Yeah, I'm a child and adolescent psychiatrist here at Cook Children's, and I'm happy to be here today. Yeah, yeah, it's a good day. Yeah. And, you know, normally when we do this show, we talk about how parents can help their children with their mental health. That's a that's a big running theme with us. Uh, but today we're going to do something just a little bit different. Yeah, um, I I think we're going to talk a little bit today about like physician mental health, but I think it also applies to all caring, you know, all Mm -hmm. any sort of like caring job Mm -hmm. that anyone has, whether that be a mom, you know, a therapist, um, a teacher, and just kind of how the role of of that can affect our mental health. You know, I know um, as a physician, we are not the best at taking care of our own mental health. It's really sort of baked into our training um, that we ignore it. I I remember before I went on my first call shift, um, I was talking to my best friend and I was telling her I was going to go in. I was, you know, going to start a 24 hour shift and all this stuff. And she was like, Wait, well, what what if you get tired? It was like, well, you don't like you just don't <laughs> get tired. You You go to Starbucks. That's why it's open. Like you just go and then, you know, and, and it, it was totally normal. Like it did not, but it was like mind boggling to her that anyone would work 24 hours. And then now I'm like, no, she was right. That's insane. Why would anyone work 24 hours? That's not safe. That's not good for anyone. So, I I mean, that was my first day of intern year. So wow. it, it, it starts at the beginning. It starts in medical school. Like we we see all of these things. And so, you know, we're we're not the best at like recognizing whenever we're having a hard time or things like that. And um, so, and I think that there is a toll that's unique to being in a caring profession Mm -hmm. because you want your patient to get better. You want your student to perform well, or you want them to be successful. And then it's really hard not to take that home. Yeah. I, you know, it is kind of weird that you could do 24 hours. (laughs) I mean, it it is to me because if I'm the patient on your 22nd yeah. hour, oh, yeah. I don't know if I want to be that patient. Exactly. <laughs> I really don't. I don't know if I want you after you've been 22nd, 22 hours in and I'm at the tail end of this thing and I'm hoping you're fresh and and ready to figure it out. I know. I, I, I 100% agree. That's and- scary. I know. I know. <laughs> but, you know, as a patient, you never think about it. You really don't. You don't think a whole lot about it because, you know, until I started working at Cook Children's, it 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 boggled my mind, honestly, that, you know, a surgeon can do a 12 hour surgery or eight hour surgery. 24 this is, hour, 30 yeah, this hour is surgery. Gonna, this is going to be. Well, excuse me, sir, but how do you go to the restroom? I know. The, the lo- <laughs> the, the 20, they have teams. Ma'am. They, they do have teams. OK, I know. But ma'am's. Ma'am, how how are you doing this with my whatever it is that you're, you know? And if you ask them, they have a system. Like there's a system, there's a plan, there's and and I had a friend whose dad was a surgeon and he had trained his bladder 
um, to go to the bathroom one time a day. The bladder has been changed. He Trained did. the bladder. Like he knew exactly how much Diet so, Coke to drink in the morning so that he was like awake and hydrated. And so he didn't have to go to the bathroom. It's a good thing he's a man because women, you know, we have hormonal things, things, you know, everything happens, but oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I am glad to have um, Dr. Matthew Carroll, uh, the Associate Chief uh, Quality Officer at Cook Children's Hospital, and he's also talking about mental health and is an advocate for change. And so I'm so glad to have him here. Welcome to Raising Joy. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Dr. Carroll, you sent me a reflection, something that you were thinking about. And you sent it and you said, what do you think about this? And my, I read it and my mouth was open, mainly because I've never heard, I've never heard a physician be that transparent, that vulnerable. Um, it was refreshing and it was insightful. Let's talk a little bit about that reflection and how you came to talk about that journey of mental health. Tell me, tell us about it. Tell us about the reflection. So, um, and how you got there. Yeah. So, so the reflection was more just kind of things I've been considering over probably the last, you know, six to 12 months. And I think it was really just an appreciation for starting to realize and accept the impact of what we do every day and the impact that that has to have on our lives and just the daily grind, the, the day in and day out of what we do. And, and I think, Kristen, you said it right at the beginning. This is, I'm speaking from the perspective of a physician, but this is by no means limited to physicians. This applies to everyone in healthcare. It applies to so many people outside of healthcare. But I think it's, you know, so many of us have stressful jobs. Um, life can just be stressful and kind of appreciating the effect that that has to have on all of our lives. And I think for physicians or for people in healthcare, it can be hard to appreciate that, right? Because I think if you have someone who has this horrific one-time trauma, I think there's this, everyone knows they had a trauma. Everyone knows something happened. It's going to have an impact on their life and, right. and then they have to deal with it. But right. I think for, for, for me, at least it, it was much more insidious. It was just kind mm -hmm. of the day in and day out, this, the small impact that every single day cumulatively has to have on all of us. And it's hard to appreciate that when you compare yourself to, when I compare myself to, to yesterday or last week or the month before, I'm the same person. I, I can't see those differences. But if I were to compare myself today to myself five, six, or seven years ago, would those differences be more apparent? And I think, at least for me personally, it was, it was, coming to realize that, yeah, I think there is a, a, an impact of what we do every day of, of the stressful jobs we kind of have. And as I start to think about that, you know, really being honest with myself, you know, yeah, I probably don't sleep as well as I used to. Or when I'm home with my family, I'm probably more grumpy and irritable than I used to be. And it, it, it like pains me to admit that, but it's true. And, and I think that's probably the impact of just what we do every day. And, and, and I think for me, the reflection was was more about just being honest about that self-assessment and kind of what impact my job has on me. And and then, OK, if that's the impact, then what do we do about it? Um, because I think for so many of us in medicine, we just kind of shrug our shoulders and say, well, it's, it's what it is. That's what we signed up for. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I can't complain about this. I knew what I was getting into. Um, and, and I don't think it has to be that way. I mean, I think, you know, we all 
We all eat healthy. We all exercise. We all care about our physical well-being. And I think it's what steps do we need to, to take to care about our mental well-being. And so for me, that was making a commitment to say, now I need to start meeting with a therapist. I need, you know, just someone to to check in with every few weeks and and process kind of the the stress of the of the daily grind of the job and just doing everything I can to process that so that when I'm at work, I'm in a better place. When I'm at home, I'm in a better place. And and, and just helping me to to deal with that and to be a better person. Absolutely. And I think I think also for physicians or for people in healthcare we're really great at soldiering on like we like, you know, ignore the fact that you're sleepy and go see the next patient in the emergency room because they've been waiting for 16 hours for someone to come see them. Starbucks. Yeah, Yeah. no, you do. And it's like you order it and you got to do it fast, you know, like you don't. So you're like, we are trained to soldier on. And so I think like during the pandemic, we soldiered on. And so I think for a lot of physicians and for nurses now and for anybody in healthcare, really, I think that we're kind of, We've had a step back and I think now we're really feeling the emotional impact that the pandemic had on us because we've had a little bit of time to breathe um, related to the pandemic. And then I think also it's really easy for us to downplay our those insidious small changes because we have a front row seat to the worst of human suffering. Mm -hmm. Their worst, like a parent's worst day. You have seen so many parents on their absolute worst day. And and you can always say, you know what? My kids are healthy. I'm healthy. I'm okay. You know, and so you you always realize, you know, like, I don't know, we, we have a front row seat. And so it's like you can never, it, you, you just realize like it, it makes you grateful, right, for what you have. Um, don't it, complain. It, Keep it, going. And yeah. It, it very much is that servant's attitude, right? We right. are here to serve our patients. And so right. sometimes we do that at the expense of ourselves 100%. because – we're here to help our patients. Yes. And, and we do it gladly. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what we signed up for. And, you know, we we went to school for a really long time. We worked really hard to be able to do this. And we know that we have a unique skill and we want deeply to help people and for them to get better. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's yes, often to our own detriment. Um, you know, I think I have a question for both of you guys. Why is there, though, such a stigma behind mental health? And doctors, I, I and I hear what you're saying. You know, you, you kind of started out in med school, and you you had to do it. But the stigma of going after, you know, to to take care of yourself. Why is there such a stigma? I think we work in a profession that, in many ways, real or perceived, demands perfection of us, and and. Mental health is oftentimes, I think the stigma is it's seen as a weakness. And so in a profession that demands perfection, no one wants to embrace a weakness. No one wants to let others see their weakness. You kind of want to just push it aside, mm-hmm. ignore it. And, and like you said, soldier on. Um, and, and, so I, and hope it gets better. Yeah. But it doesn't. <laughs> it just, I, if I just tell myself to, you know, smile more, be happier, like, you know, buck, you know suck it up, buttercup, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and just kind of move on. And, and it doesn't. Yeah. What, what kind of um, reaction do you think you'll get from others or have you already gotten from your colleagues, at least? <laughs> I'm when he's laughing because I'm smiling yes. um, because I read Dr. Carroll's essay and I said I could have written it. Like yeah. I, I feel exactly the same way I could like he hit the nail on the head with exactly how I feel just about the weight of the weight is always there. 
right? Like the, the responsibility to your patients and to make sure that they're well taken care of and that I don't let down my patient. Like that's always there. You're on vacation on the weekend, the wait, always there. You don't ever get a break from that. And then, um, yeah, I, I think that. And then also, um, Dr. Carroll, you talked a little about like professionalism and how we have to always be, you know, um, like neutral, calm, supportive, even if that morning, like we had lost our dog or like you our, had a fight with your, your spouse or yeah, the perfect. Yeah. But you, you just have to take it. But over time that has an impact. I mean, how could it not? It's uh, dying by a thousand cuts. Mm -hmm. I mean, just stab me, get it over with. I mean, jeez. <laughs> and I think there's, there's the pressure. I, I think we all kind of keep this all bottled in, right? Like we don't want other people to see it. Um, because of that, that sense that we're in a profession that demands us to be perfect. And so we all get really good at wearing masks and not allowing other people to see our humanity or our imperfections. And so the, the consequence of that is that when I look at all of my other colleagues around me, the perception I get is that they're perfect. They're, they're <laughs> holding it together so well. And they're so, they're, they're, they're so smart. And, and I think, you know, that starts for, that starts early on in our medical profession. I mean, I remember in medical school, just, you know, sitting around and, yeah. and, and looking, looking all at, around me mm -hmm. and all these really smart people around yeah, me. And it's yeah. like, well, someone made a mistake to let me in this room. <laughs> oh, yeah. and, and eventually they're going to figure it out. And oh, yeah. then I'm in trouble. My hostess is going to show. That's they're right. Gonna know. That's right. And so, and so from early on, you don't want anyone else to see your imperfections because you feel like you're the only one that has them. It continues in residency. Same oh, yeah. thing. You know, they must have made a mistake when they were, you know, <laughs> evaluating my interview because wow. I don't think I'm, I'm supposed, supposed to be, be here, here right now. Wow. And so again, you, you don't let those imperfections show because you feel like you're the only one that has them and all of your other, you know, colleagues are so smart, but yet somehow you're not. And, and it's this, I can only speak to my personal experiences, but I'll have this bad habit of kind of looking at everyone else around me and their individual strengths that they kind of have on display. And you'll create this composite doctor that's full of everyone else's strengths oh, wow. that you can never compare yourself to because nope. they know everything and, and, and you'll never live up to that. And so it, it's tough because we're all human. We're all going to make mistakes. None of us can be perfect in this, but yet you compare yourself to what you perceive as the perfection that's all around you. And somehow you're the only one that is making mistakes or, you know, struggling or not keeping it together or something like that, which then makes you want to keep it bottled in even more. And, and so you kind of suffer silently. Mm -hmm. And so when I miss a diagnosis, which all of us are going to do, right? Like we're mm -hmm. human, we're all going to make mistakes. But when I make a mistake or I miss a diagnosis or I don't know something, not only do you kind of have to, to shoulder that guilt of making the mistake, but then it's that shame that comes from thinking you're the only one that makes mistakes, that no one else out there is making mistakes. And, and I think so much of that is just, it's built into our society, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're really good at at putting our best on display and not letting anyone see that other part of us. I mean, have if you, you seen my Facebook page lately? I, I, Come it, on. I mean, well, I have not <laughs> seen your fake. Facebook page, but, <laughs> but Facebook if you go fake. onto Facebook, what do you see? Like you see 
people going out to eat with their friends and everyone's laughing and having a good time yeah. or this beautiful vacation with a beautiful background. Like no one comes home from a horrible day at work, <laughs> eyes puffy and swollen, crying and, and busts out their phone and takes a selfie and like posts it to Facebook. But some people do and we hide them because it's like, I don't want like I well, it's like because they do it for oh, attention. Right. Yeah, but well. yeah, maybe not do it. for But do it for transparency. Like, yes, there is no. Um, yeah, it's not balanced in any way. And so it just, it, it creates the standard that it's, it's impossible to live up to. And so I think when we suffer silently, it's made even worse by that isolation and by thinking we're the only ones. But I think if somehow we can be more open with our own humanity and letting, being vulnerable to people and letting them see that we're all going through the same thing, then I think it, as we normalize it, it becomes much easier for us to each deal with ourselves. Um, instead of being more challenging. Well, how brave. I know. And and I think you're absolutely right. I think one, admitting you're a human is the most obvious thing in the whole world, but it also takes a lot of courage in our, in our position to be able to do it. But I also think that it's a good thing for our patients and our families to see that we are human because I think that there is a lot of negative you know, things going on around doctors and like they don't care and like all of this stuff. And it's, you know, whenever they lob those complaints and whenever they make all these accusations about how you're getting all this money from pharma and I'm like, well, have you seen my student loan statement? I'd love <laughs> to like, that's not going on here. But you, I mean, they make all these statements about your character and it's like that. No, but I, but I think it is a lot of it is like, we kind of like, because of the mask and because we're the quote unquote doctor, then it's like, we're not like, we don't have feelings and we don't have humanity and, you know, those sorts of things. And it's, I, th I think that humanizing physicians, nurses, people in healthcare is really, 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 really important. Yeah. You know, I, and being in marketing and communications, I'm kind of sad now that we have used the moniker superhero for healthcare or people in healthcare because we've now made them put them in a position that they've got to be, hey, you know, <laughs> you, you, I've got to be, I've got to be able to leap tall buildings in a single bound, you know, and, and we shouldn't make them feel like they have to do that. But I think when the pandemic hit and yeah. when those things happened, I think it was a little boost. It's like, okay, they think I can do this. I can, okay, I'm going to put on this PPE and I'm going to go in this room with this COVID positive patient and it's going to be, you know, so it was, we needed the boost. We needed yeah. the little bit of reassurance yeah. okay. that, so I, okay. I think it was good. Okay. Cause I'm, I'm just feeling bad now no. sitting no, here and no, like, oh all. my gosh, we, we have painted them as really being, <laughs> you know, the people who can really save the day and you can, and you can, but I need you to save yourself. That's true. I need you to save yourself. 100%. And I think taking care of ourselves makes us better doctors. 100%. Yes. I could not agree with you more. You mentioned going to therapy. Um, what has that experience been like? So. <laughs> you know, we laugh. That, that could be a whole, a whole nother. Uh, topic. Topic. Um, but I think it, it's, it, it speaks to the current state of mental health in our country is that I'm still on the waiting list and still wow. um, waiting to be seen. And this is not a knock on the person who, who I reached out to. It, it, I think it just speaks to the need that is out there mm -hmm. and the limited supply that is out there to deal with this massive need. Mm -hmm. um, and so that, that makes it difficult too. And so I've, I've, you know, my hope is that I could get in within the next week or two, but at that point, I think if, if that person can't get me in, then just knowing that, all right, but time to find someone else, um, time to, time to find someone else so that I can get in with someone else. 
and you know, I'm a psychiatrist, so I'm usually, usually the one asking the questions, but I've gone to therapy myself and it's a little strange, Mm -hmm. you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, oh wow, wait, I'm not used to this. Mm -hmm. Like they're asking me questions. What is this about? (laughs) Um, So it was a little, it was a little strange, but I found someone who I thought was really caring and empathic and really understood where I was coming from. And I can, I can honestly say that it was life-changing. Like it was just so reassuring. I didn't have to go for very long. Like it was just, but it was just what I needed when I needed it. And so that was, it was really great. It it made me a better doctor and a better human. So, you know, and being able to sit and process, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's not necessarily that this person is telling, because I'm in therapy too, but you know, uh, it's not like this person is telling me what I ought to be doing. Mm -mm. It's, it's allowing me the time to speak through the situation and walk through it and try to, and, and, even when I'm not around her, I I, fig, I find myself processing. Oh, okay, I can do this. Okay, let me see. What should I do with, you know? Right. And, and I really feel, you know, what, like what you said, um, Dr. Carol, uh, if I look at me today and I look at me four years ago, I can see the definite change. But that's when I started going. So <laughs> <laughs> the change is there. And and I do feel better. I I, I feel like I can process and I, I really feel like I, I've calmed down and things of you know, and she's getting paid for sitting. Well, <laughs> I mean, and, <laughs> and you're exactly right. So I, I saw a psychiatrist 10 years ago as I was going through something else in my life for a few years. And it's just it's nice to have that objective third party who you can be completely open and transparent about with that they're not judging you. You, you don't see them outside of that room. Mm -hmm. You don't see them in the rest of your life. So it's kind of nice that you can be open and honest with that person, Mm -hmm. have their kind of objective perspectives and advice, do with that advice what you want, but it's nice just to hear someone else's thoughts. Um, that's really helpful. It is. And like blocking this time on my schedule, I'm going to have space. Yes. To experience all the emotions, yes, whatever they are, yes, 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 get it all out, yes, you know, yes, it's really important. Yeah, anger, yeah. sadness, all of it. I mean, mm-hmm. the options are either to get them out or bottle them in. And at some point, if you bottle them in, they're going to come out. Well, I'm drinking um, yes. that bottle. And I'm drinking that bottle. <laughs> right, but that's it, right? Yeah. And I think so many people, it's I'm either out of that right. It's like you dole mm-hmm. the emotions with like all different kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right now, for me, it's online shopping or booking oh. vacations. Oh, but I'm gonna try to gosh. chill out on that. Okay, okay. but it, you know, it, you're absolutely right. It comes on. It comes out some way. Well, I tell you, um, when you are, um, when you thought about this, did it have? You know, we lost a, a colleague um, at Cook Children's, and did that have anything to do? with your actually saying, okay, maybe we need to figure something out here. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that, that, you know, it was something I'd been thinking about for a long time, but that was the impetus where it's like, all right, it's, it's time to do a change. That was kind of the, the kick that I needed to, to pick up the phone and say, all right, it's time to get serious and do this. Absolutely. Did you talk to any other colleagues? Did you you talk to your, your other doctor friends? Did they talk about this? I mean, I, I know I don't. I think I think <laughs> I this, you know, know, the, do this, you? I did. Yeah, did. no, I did. Um, like, do you mean like did I talk to them about like their um their like their experience with the loss of a colleague? Mm-hmm, oh mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Um, and I think for me being a psychiatrist, I am in tune with like how everyone else is feeling, not necessarily how I'm feeling. Um, and so I yes, so I I very much. 
picked up on like everyone else's sadness and was like, oh my God, how is this affecting this person and this person and this person and this person? And so, and was able to like connect with a, like different, you know, different physicians and just cause I was worried about them, you know? And so, and then, but that like being aware of everyone else's sadness, um, you know, it, it did, it took a little bit for me to kind of feel better about it. And I talked to my therapist about it and I talked to my good friend, Dr. Carter, mm-hmm. who's been on the mm-hmm. show mm-hmm. and she helped me see like, Hey, look, she was the one that pointed out, um, sweetie, you're a psychiatrist. And so you feel everyone else's emotions and that's okay. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh gosh, yeah, you're right. And, <laughs> and, and I do think I, I, I misunderstood your question at the beginning, but I do think around that time, I think there was a lot of self-reflection mm-hmm. and, and, and talk among, um, not just the medical staff, but I think everyone at Cook, because mm-hmm. I think it impacted Everybody. it impacted all yes, of us. It did. Um, it and did. I think there was a lot of of, of self reflection and, and just processing those emotions that came with that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think um, you know the people in the in the booth will attest, but I w- when it happened for me, I I worried about other folks mm-hmm. on me my too. team. I, I worried about them because they're high achievers. They're very um, go go-getters they're really perfection seeking going after it and they're very self-motivated and they're they're it's not life and death like what you know what you guys do but I mean they are very dedicated to what they do and it is more them than Mm -hmm. it is me trying to drive them to be that way it's them driving them and so one of the things that I did was uh, we had a staff meeting and I wanted to talk a little bit about what that felt like for them but I also know that if you don't ask somebody how they self-help or how they self-care, they may not do it. <laughs> so I met individually with everybody on my team and I asked them, how do you self-care? Now let's talk about it. How are you intentionally self-caring? Not, not just, oh, I might go for a run or something, but how do you intentionally do this every day? And and I think it is telling when mm-hmm. some people can't tell you. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, you know. So let's sit down and talk about what you can do. What what could you do? Can you can you journal? Can you walk? I walk. I walk with head my headsets and I'm listening to music. The clarity when I walk is unbelievable. I make all my decisions while I'm walking because it is it is. Uh, that time alone to just kind of process and think through things. It's, you need it. Yep. The clarity. It, it is like the Claritin commercial. You know, it, <laughs> the, the color gets vivid. It all helps. But I really wanted to understand. And there were a couple of people who were having a hard time with it. You know, okay, pumpkin, I expect you to figure something out here. And, and we're going to do this quarterly. I want to know because I don't ever want to be the person when they come to me and say, Something happened to one of your coworkers. Mm-hmm. Something, something happened to one of your team because mm-hmm. that would. Uh, I, 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 I don't want to even go there. But anyway, that's just me. Um, so I, I just, I'm glad that you had that opportunity to talk with others about it and 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 try to, you know, kind of work through it. It's a good thing. Um, Dr. Carroll, in your uh, reflection, you talked a little bit about uh, medical board complaints and and things like that. Like, what do you think about like, do you think that that has an impact on like how physicians like the need for perfectionism and all those kind of things that we talked about earlier? Yeah, I mean, I I think it's it's all connected in this idea that when, you know, those of us who have Texas medical board complaints or those of us who have adverse events or make mistakes, 
just this idea that if we let anyone else know about it, that somehow they're going to think we're less of a physician or or just less that that we we feel like we can't let our we we can't let others see our humanity um, because of that drive to be perfect all the time. Um, and, and, you know, I, I can only speak for myself, but I think some of that is also rooted in an element of insecurity. I mean, I think oh, we yeah. are incredibly smart and capable and talented people. But despite all of that, we are still insecure, just like everyone else. And oh, this, yeah. And this sense that I can't let anyone else see my weaknesses because I'm the only one that has them. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> OK, so just so you know, remember how you were saying like all like you're in the room with all these smart people? Well, you are one of those people. <laughs> For me. Yeah. So um, Dr. Carroll does like quality and safety. And so he he's always presenting like facts and figures and how to prevent and like make our hospital the most safe place ever. And not from a punitive standpoint, but like how do we support our doctors making good decisions? Like what are the systemic issues going on? How do we correct that? Like how do we make sure that things like systems are fail safe? And so it's really funny to hear him say the same things. I think whenever he was the person, like he's a person that I'm like, oh my God, he's so smart. You know, like. But, yeah. but it's, it's funny because we only see everyone else's strengths, but not their weaknesses. Yeah. And so we we somehow just need to be more open about embracing each of our own humanity and the mm -hmm. fact that we are not perfect and and we're just dedicated professionals that are doing the best we can and doing a great job. But but we don't have to have that expectation for perfection because we're we're always going to fall short of it. And and it's just going to put even more pressure yeah. and more guilt yeah. on top of us. We were talking earlier before we got on the show about insurance and how it affects the physician when you go, when you have issues and you, can you get insurance and how did that impact, how that impacts your insurance when you like disability insurance yeah, and things like yeah, that. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, when, when I, after residency and I started getting all of my disability insurance. When you get your disability insurance, you tell them every physician you've seen for the past however many years, every medication you're on, that you tell them everything about your medical history. And then they go and look at all of your charts related to that. They reach out to all of your doctors to, to try and determine what your insurability is. And so for me, you know, they, I was able to get insurance, but it was at a higher premium for several years because they wanted to make sure that I guess everything was going to be okay. And and over a period of three to four years, I was able to get down to a normal kind level. of price or level or whatever. But yeah, I mean that. But that's for every physician. Everybody's like, I mean, and all, it's and it's different. Like by like they they. So I know whenever I left residency, it was you know like so you're applying for like long term disability and things like that. And the goal is. Hey, if I get in a car accident, my family is not going to be financially devastated. Like that's what you're right. That's that, that's the risk, right? right? That that's why you're you pay for this insurance. But I mean, my specific advice was: listen, you are a female psychiatrist. If you have any sort of um, like mental health complaint, like you are uninsurable. It happened to a friend. It happened to a friend. She could not be insured because our risk for depression and um, needing. Um, to be like to be disabled because of a mental health condition is really high. And so they don't. Yeah. So they don't. So they my the advice to me was not to do it. And I do think that that kept me a long time from, you know, getting treatment and going to see a therapist because I didn't want like I, I wanted to be insurable and I didn't want my kids to suffer. OK. And don't you know how <laughs> backward that sounds? I, I, okay, do you understand incredibly. how backward how backward that sounds? I I. Yes, but I'm like, oh no, this is just the way it is. 
that's backward. <laughs> I think a lot of what we accept is just, well, this is what I signed up for. This is just the way it is. That's so backward. <laughs> <laughs> so when he's going to do therapist yeah. therapy with all of the physicians and tell us how crazy we are. I, that to me is, <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. I know. Wow. See, we're, we're crazier than you thought. No, I mean, it just, no, I mean, the fact that insurance does not want you to have, I mean, you, I, I don't get it. I know. No, I know. It's, it, it's just a fact though. Like it just... But I want you well. I know. I, I know. I, I know. I, know. That. I, I know. want you well. Well, and the other thing is, is going to therapy would prevent the reason I would be disabled. Thank you. Thank you. Thank but you very much anyway. for taking that out of my mouth. Because I, I wasn't, it wasn't coming. <laughs> you're like, you're just dumbfounded. Like, how is this even possible? I don't even understand how that works. You know, you have said something that uh, a couple of times, Dr. Carroll, this is what we signed up for. And it makes me think about, for instance, celebrities. You know, that, you know, they they try hard all their lives to become famous. And when they become famous, now they're looking at how that fame has impacted their life. And now they're feeling like, but this isn't what I signed up. But I signed up. But you did sign up for that. You signed up for that. But now it's impacting you. And how many times, and we talked about this earlier, but how many times have we seen celebrities who have said, I'm backing up. I can't do this anymore a lot of people are doing it okay okay and i think you know in a lot of ways a lot of medicine is what we signed up for right but yeah but that doesn't impact how we respond to that there are challenges of medicine that it's it is what we signed up yeah. for but at but. the same time there's steps we can do to proactively take care of ourselves and make sure we're doing everything we can um to promote to promote our own mental well-being yeah um we don't just have to you know, suffer through it just because it's the way in our minds, it's the way it is. There's things we can do to help us deal with those stresses and, and those challenges that come with that. Absolutely. And I, I think also, um, yeah, it is just kind of like what you're, you know, what you're supposed to do. And I think the majority of my job, I really enjoy. Absolutely. But I don't, I don't think whenever I signed up to be a psychiatrist, I realized the toll that that would take. Like all, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty social, like outgoing no, I person. Don't believe that because it's gonna take a toll. I just don't understand how you didn't. You're uh, listening to people's problems. I know. I I guess I all yes, day every I know, day. But I like it. Okay. I like it. And I like helping people. Okay. And I like connecting with my patients. But but it's gonna take a toll over some time, right? It did. Yeah. Okay. It, it has. It definitely has. But I I don't think it it I didn't realize that it would make me uh, basically a hermit. You know that. <laughs> Like at night, I'm like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to listen to anybody. I just want to like not do anything. Yeah. And so I think, I think that that is something that it, it just, yeah. And my husband is, he's a physical therapist. It's the same thing for him because he has to be on all, all day. day. Right. And I think when we, when we talk about being a physician or we talk about being in healthcare, we focus on, on the good part, right? Like the stuff we tell our family and friends is, you know, the, the incredible privilege it is to be a physician, the, the, the the lives we touch, the connections we make with our families, the the dedicated people we get to work with. And, mm -hmm. and that's all true. Mm -hmm. But no one ever talks about the part of medicine that, that's the part we don't really like to talk about that has the challenges. And don't get me wrong. I love being a doctor and I couldn't imagine doing anything else. But at the same time, we all bear witness to, to a, a, a huge amount of suffering. Yes. And, and I think that suffering in and of itself has a toll and an impact. But but 
it's even worse when some of that suffering we can't fix, fix. we can't right. heal. Right. Families right. come to us wanting right. to make their kid better. And a lot of the times we can, but sometimes we can't. And so not only do you have to deal with just the toll of witnessing that suffering, but the powerlessness, powerlessness of, of, of not being able to do anything about it. And, and, and that takes a toll or the bad news you have to deliver takes a toll or, or those families that we all have that, that despite your best efforts and you've done everything you can, you just can't please everyone in that family. That's just not going to like you. <laughs> and, and, and all of that stuff is the part of medicine that, that we don't talk about as much, but, but has a toll on us. I mean, I, how could it not? Right. And, but I think also part of it is we can't, you know, because of HIPAA and things like right. that. Like you can't talk about it. Right. You and and, it's, the and it's the details that are like, that, that's the, de- like you can't share details or anything anyone would be able to identify who you're talking about. And it's the details that hurt. You know what I mean? It's like the kid found their mom, you know, or whatever it is. It's like, that is a part that's like really heartbreaking. And you know, you, so there's, there's a lot of reasons that we bottle it up. Yeah. It's kind of, it's systemic. And I never thought about it. You know, I never think about when I go to my physician, how hard it is for him. You know, I never thought, I just know how hard it is for me. (laughs) Well, and I (laughs) never think about it. I don't think we want, I don't, we, we don't want sympathy. Like we want you to come. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like we, we, you know, I think we just maybe just realize that we're humans. Yeah. I I think we're humans and I think we just need to do better of taking care of ourselves. Right. But we don't, we don't need to be or want to be treated any differently or any, I mean, we do our job the same. It's just, how do you take care of yourself outside of work? How do other people do it? <laughs> how do other people do it aside from addiction and drinking and Oh, how do they deal yeah. with the weight? Yeah. Do you know colleagues that do you have physician friends who do it really well? Um I yeah, I do I do think so. Um but I think isn't like the physician divorce rate like 50%? Wow. And wow. Like, wow, wow. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty exceptional. Like suicide rates are higher than the population. Um, so I would say we're not doing great. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. okay. Overall. De- definitely room for improvement. Okay. <laughs> more vacation. Can hey, we take more vacation? Here for, that. here for that. You know, that's my favorite coping skill, planning vacation. Oh my gosh. Oof. Oh man. So Dr. Carroll, any message for your colleagues, for parents? What, what do you want us to leave with? I think the message for for colleagues is just to be honest with yourself. Um, be honest about the impact that what we do every day has on us and and have the courage to kind of answer those questions to yourself truthfully and take the steps to promote your own mental well-being. Um, I think, you know, most of us are in this by the time we graduate medical school and residency, 30, 35 years. I mean, we need to take proactive steps to kind of promote our mental well-being because we're going to be doing this for a while. And, and I think the other thing I would say to physicians is I've heard multiple physicians kind of say, well, I, I don't want to go see someone because if I get a diagnosis or if I see someone, I've got to declare that when mm-hmm. I go to apply for my license or apply for privileges at a hospital. And so I just, I want to reassure people that before, before this podcast, I went online to look at the Texas medical board to pull, pull up their application. Um, at least at cook, I, I asked to see our privileging form. There is no question that asks you to declare a diagnosis or that you are seeing a therapist or anything like that. The question just asks, can you do the job? Uh, period. 
And and there's nothing about seeing a therapist or getting help that precludes you from doing the job. In fact, I, I would argue it helps you do your job even better. 100%. And, and so I, I don't want people to have any fear that if you go and get help and if you go and talk to someone that you're going to have to to declare this and it, it could impact your career because that's that's not the case and that shouldn't be a barrier um, for people getting the help they need. Absolutely. Boy, this has been eye-opening. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I thought I was having it rough, but you know, you know, it's funny when you talk about insecurities. Um, I used to have this dream uh, at being at a, uh, a party naked. And somebody told me that was um, you having anxiety about people seeing your seeing you fully. And that they're going to know that you, you know, when you said you were like, who, who let me in this room, you know? <laughs> and, and, and so I was ha having anxiety that somebody was going to find me out. And so I'm having this dream about being at a party naked. That was like, oh my gosh. I know. <laughs> that was wild. Okay. For real. So I understand when you say, who let me in this room? Who did? Because I, you know. Everybody has that yeah. insecurity. Well, and I think at the end, if we can just be, I don't know, if somehow we can be more transparent and more accepting of our humanity and not being afraid to let other people see those imperfections, then I think it takes so much pressure off of all of us mm -hmm. and makes it so much easier to kind of process all of those emotions that we're going through. And I think when you're okay with yourself and when you're okay, like when you've accepted your humanity, it lets everyone else do the same thing. Cause they're like, oh, right, maybe like, you're kind of the trailblazer, right? You're like, all right, no, I am a human. I'm a, I'm a whole human. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a whole, <laughs> I have to go to the bathroom and I have to sleep. Yeah. Like this yeah. is part I of my job. Yeah. I <laughs> yeah. have to eat. Okay. <laughs> well, well, thank you so much for joining us today. Yes. Thanks for having me. And thank you for your courage and sharing this. Like yeah, I know, this is, I'm sure there was, is. yeah, there was some trepidation. I'm sure. Like there was a moment you're like, am I sure I want to send the email to Winnie? Yeah. You know, like yeah, there was a right, moment right, and you right. said, no, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going to be bold. Send. I'm going to press send. You press that send button. There's no <laughs> taking it back. <laughs> what did I do? I know. And I know. then, and then after you, then after you write it, now you got to come on a podcast. So <laughs> that's, that's like, right. No, this has been great. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Don't be afraid to send Winnie an email. Oh, there you go. <laughs> that's that's the takeaway. Yeah. yeah. So um, next week we're going to talk to my pal, Dr. Rachel Talbot, about common mental health stigmas. Mm -hmm. And as always, we would love your support for Raising Joy podcast. Just rate, review, and subscribe. Until next time, just breathe. Open up. You matter. matter.